Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cooked to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child. And you look around for support and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today and that's all you can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We will be heading down under to Melbourne in about a half an hour or so to check the latest with regard to Novak Djokovic because there's every likelihood that he will be arrested before we're off the air today and put into immigration detention. But we'll check that story out a little bit later on. Thank you to Fiona for yesterday. Uh, It must have been a very difficult program uh, to present yesterday given the massive news story that's dominating all of our news and all of our headlines and all of our papers uh, for yet another day. And the development late last night where the suspect or the man who had been arrested within an hour of the murder of Ashling, he was released without charge last evening. Now, for any of us who follow crime and the investigation of crime, that's not particularly unusual. It happens. But what was most unusual was that when he was released, the guards said he'd now been eliminated from their inquiries, which means that the killer is still on the loose. Whoever set upon that beautiful young woman when she was just out for a run in broad daylight on a crisp January day on her way home from work as a teacher. She puts on her runners, she puts on her gear and she goes for a run along a beauty spot, a beautiful, popular 
area for running and cycling and walking your dog and playing with your kids and kicking a ball. And she died. She was murdered in broad daylight. Remember last year we talked to so many people after the Sarah Everard murder. I remember one young woman in particular really impressed me. Really got to me actually. Young woman called Holly that I spoke to who'd had an experience at night and I remember talking to her about me being out for a walk and she's 50 yards ahead of me we say on the street she hears my footsteps behind her and instinctively she's afraid I cannot get my head around how that must feel really can't and that's kind of the angle from which I come on that as a guy as a guy. I've no idea how that must feel just looking at the newspapers this morning the mirror has Ashling's killer on loose savage killer Still on the loose after Gaddy released, released a suspect without charge and then eliminated him from their inquiries and publicly did that. That's unusual. Man arrested for murder of teacher released no longer a suspect, says the Irish Daily Mail next to another photograph of Ashling on her graduation day. She qualified as a primary teacher um, and she was, by all accounts, very, very, very good at it, even though she was only doing it for a short time. Her dad, her family have given an interview to the Irish Independent. Ashling was our youngest little angel. She was our rock, marvellous musician and a great teacher. Catherine Fegan writes on page four, as sunlight faded, a figure appeared in Ashling's path, bringing a darkness more chilling than night leaving community bewildered. Lovely writing from Catherine there. On the Indo today, on the Echo, horror at brutal killing, another photograph. Uh, the director of the Sexual Violence Centre has spoken out of her horror. Mary Crilly quoted uh, at some length on the front of the Echo, and the star has Ashling's killer still on the loose. Now, it claims the wrong man was quizzed over the teacher's killing. One assumes that while they were questioning that individual, that they were also working on the ground to find out, well, if he's not our man, we need to eliminate him. If he's not our man, then who is our man? They're talking about this bike, this mountain bike, Falcon Storm model of mountain bike, uh, with unusual colorings and straight handlebars. There are vigils and... Just, you could call them demos if you want, but they're just vigils uh, to take place all over the country today. And indeed, tomorrow morning there is one to take place down at the Atlantic Pond. Susan Huggins, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. It's, it's grim times, and it must be very frightening times just to be a woman, which is very hard, I guess, to get anyone's head around. Why did you decide to take it upon yourself to organise a vigil for Ashling? Yeah, before I kind of go into that, I just first kind of want to offer my condolences to like Ashling Murphy's family, friends, community. Um, I think as a country, we're deeply saddened by this tragic, brutal loss, murder of such a beautiful young girl with her whole life ahead of her. Um, I think... The reason we organise this is that I think people are grieving, especially women and girls. They're they're sad, they're frustrated, they're angry that this is still happening in 2022, that 
that women don't feel safe on the streets, um, you know, that we have to navigate streets and public spaces differently to men. Um, and I think having a space for community to come together, to pay our respects to Ashling, to grieve for her, to be sad, to be angry, to be frustrated, to, to kind of understand why this is still happening. And I think that's why we organised a walk. I think the symbolism of, of doing a walk is to finish the journey that she couldn't finish yeah. tragically and also the Atlantic Pond, the marina as an area where people kind of frequently um, exercise um, and I think it was important to give people people that space. Mm. The canal walk together. in Tullamore, a place called Fiona's Walk or Fiona's Path, that was very popular mm. just like the marina is and, and that played a, played a part in deciding where to hold this. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, naturally, you know, women and girls might retreat, might feel, oh, I don't want to go out now. I feel more unsafe. And I think, you know, having come together and support in a community and a group and and saying, well, you know, these these streets should be safe for everyone. They should be safe for, for women, for girls, for men, for minority groups, for, you know, like the trans community, for the LGBT community. They should be safe for everyone. And and I think that is why we want to um, want to walk and mm. and walk the streets and walk those areas that we sometimes do feel feel unsafe. The sense of shock, sadness, anger, bewilderment—that's all over the country. I think the country, it's fair to say, men and women mm-hmm. of Ireland are united in shock and grief. And mm-hmm. you know the way. We, none of us knew Ashley Murphy. I certainly didn't and was probably never going to meet her as in the natural run of things. But I feel today like I know a little bit about her from reading the newspapers and listening to people mm-hmm. who did know her. Um, and, and she could be any young woman out for a simply out for a run on a crisp January afternoon. Do you take any solace from the outpourings of, of emotion? Um, I think like at a time like this, like comfort and and solace probably isn't maybe the right choice of words. I don't think for like her family, anything could comfort them at such yes. a like difficult time like this. I think. I was thinking you know, more in terms of when, other women, Susan. You know. Yeah, I think when people are, I, I suppose, are are grieving or trying to understand something, they want a community, they want a space to come together, and I think, you know, recognizing that this is another woman, another girl that has been killed at the hands of, 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 of violence. I think Women Aid have said that over 242 women have been killed violently since 1996. So this isn't new um, to a lot of women. I think women are tired and frustrated about having to, to listen to these news stories, to be scared of things like this happening to them. I think, you know, we're tired of being told, don't walk alone, um, you know, ring me when you get home, text me when you get home. I think we've all, you know, rang our friends or our partners when we've been walking down a dark corner because because we're scared and, you know, this isn't working. Like, continuously telling us to, like, you know, be safe, do self, you know, self-defense classes isn't working. Something needs to change. And I think that is the the kind of collective consensus is like we're all deeply saddened for ashing but realize that like there's something has to change like that this can't happen again i think you know violence against women and and gender-based violence is a pandemic and we need to 
come together to understand how to fix this. The government need to come together and put a proper strategy in place um, to really, really fix this. Um, so I think I think maybe maybe that's where people can 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 get some comfort and support is is that community. You'll remember, no doubt, uh, you'll remember the Sarah Everard story from mm. last year. And after that, uh, so many young women came on the opinion line and talked about their own fears and mm. indeed experiences of walking mm-hmm. at night. I did talk to one young woman in particular, Holly, who, who she put a hard crosswords in me really when she said, look, I'm out for my walk. And, and you're 50 yards behind me. You mean me absolutely no harm. But how do I know that? I don't. So I tense up. The sound of your footstep tenses me up. That put the hard crossways in me, uh, Susan. But this happened in broad daylight. Mm. In the middle of the day. That takes it to... Does it take it to a next level? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've always kind of been told maybe like don't walk alone at night, you know, go out during the day, go to well-lit areas. Ashing did everything that she was supposed to do, that people told her to do. She went to an area that is has lots of people. It was bright during the day and still this horrific, brutal murder happened. And I think that's what is so frightening that, you know, when are we safe? Like, you know, what what can we do to make to make the streets safer during the day? And I think that's now a new fear for for a lot of women and for for a lot of girls. Is like it was only at night, but now this was during broad daylight. And so, trying to make sense of that is is I, I don't think you can make sense of it really. Um, Listening to a lot of phone ins yeah. yesterday, and just discussions in general, women talking about carrying a key poking out from inside mm. their fingers as they walk to their car to go home or mm-hmm. you know as you go for you go walk home if there's a dark spot you're you're tensed up going through it and you're you're always ready to respond by night and and I think that it I I can't get it into my head what it must feel like to have to think like that 24/7 yeah absolutely and I think like you can only imagine that like having those thoughts, those fears, how that plays on your psyche, on on your, you know, on your emotions, you know, having to live like that, I suppose, every day since often you're a child, like you kind of learn as a young girl, you know, you have to be careful on the streets. You have to navigate the streets and public spaces differently to maybe your brother or, or your dad or something like that. So I think, you know, that has a kind of an ongoing psychological effect um, and I think that's why women are are nervous. You know, you could be walking beside someone, a man who is, you know, an absolutely amazing, loving father. Dad is so supportive, but unfortunately, you just are scared you because you don't know. That. You don't know. Yeah. And 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 I suppose that's that's the issue. And I think we all have very loving, supportive men and boys in our lives. And I think now is the time for them to listen, I think, to, to, to understand, to to support us, to be part of that conversation. You know, we're not saying this is all men, absolutely not. But unfortunately, the reality is that sometimes and most of the time it is perpetrated by by males. So mm. I think we, they need to be part of this part of this conversation. Um, the news that emerged last evening, and as I said there a couple of times, it's, it's unusual for the Gardaí to be so clear 
in saying that the man who was arrested and questioned for quite a number of hours has now not only been released without charge, but formally eliminated from the inquiry. But that 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 just reads, I think, the killer is still out there. Do you think, Susan, that like women this morning going for a walk at the lock, the marina, the Mardike, will they do that with a certain added sense of fear this morning now that there is a killer out there? Now, he is up in Tullamore, but he may well have done a runner now out of Tullamore. Could be anywhere now. Do you think there is fear in the hearts of women as they walk around this morning or run around this morning or cycle around this morning, knowing that somewhere in this country there's a killer on the loose? Yeah, I think absolutely, probably more more than it would normally. I think, you know, since Ashing's like tragic murder, it's been on the top of minds for many women. And I like even noticed when I walked down the street. Like it's on everyone's minds. They're they're sad. They're 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 scared. And I think people naturally probably would avoid going out in their own. You know, I've seen lots of calls for women who enjoy exercising, who enjoy running, have been asking, okay, like let's meet up and and go as a group. You know, yeah. um, support in numbers, um, and and yeah. So I think they they probably are are nervous and yeah. and are scared. And, and, and I think and you know very, for very hard yeah. to blame. Who is welcome at your vigil in the morning? Um, everyone's welcome. I think that's a really important message. Like we want this walk to be like inclusive, open to everyone. So women, men, boys, girls, like the trans community, LGBT community. I think, you know, we all want to pay our respects to Ashing and to, to support her family and and to be part of, of this conversation and see where it goes next. I think one thing that I would like to say for, for the walk is is um, that like we want to obviously make sure it's safe for everyone. So we would encourage people to to wear a mask and to try and practice social distancing as, as much as, as possible. Um, the plan is to meet at 9.30 a.m. at the Atlantic Pond, kind of the Porky Creeve side. Um, we would like to start um, with a minute silence to just pay our respect for Ashling um, and for her family. Um, we might have some people say a few words if people wanted to say a poem or or, um, you know, bring instruments. I know like Ashing and her family are very musical. If people wanted to bring instruments and, and play a song, you know, I think whatever helps people grieve and process this, I think that's that's an important message. And then we'll just set off on a just maybe 25 minute walk just around um, around the marina. OK, all right. Well, good luck with that. And thank you for being with us this morning. That's uh, Susan Huggins who's organising that event at the marina in the morning at half past nine. There are many more. Uh, Sexual Violence Centre will light candles on the steps of the centre, of their own centre, at half four today. Uh, uh, 9.30, the Atlantic Pond. In Newmarket Town, Friday, bring a candlelight. Uh, six o'clock this evening, just walk a lap or two. Uh, national, uh, there's a, the silent vigil nationally asking you to... Hold um, just a minute, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just stop for a moment. And at half four today in Cove, they're meeting at four on Saturday outside the Heritage Centre in Cove and walking, jogging along the low road and the five foot way. Susan would wonder if anybody has a mic or a speaker 
that they could bring tomorrow, some battery-powered kit, I guess, is what they want, microphone or a speaker. There are these little powered speakers that you plug in and they come with a microphone. If anyone's got one of those that they would lend for tomorrow's event, let us know and we'll, we'll put you in contact with her so they can have some speakers in the morning. The Lord Mayor and Deputy Lord Mayor are opening a book of condolences for Ashling at Cork City Hall this morning. I want to go and talk to Marie, but I'll do that next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, the little car park on the park road in Mallow. It's a candlelight vigil. 7 o'clock this evening. They'll walk around the town and end up back on the park road again. Uh, that's 7 o'clock this evening. Thanks to Annette Nagel for sending in that particular message. And there's loads of them. And I'll read as many as I possibly can between now and midday. It's just an outpouring of grief and anger and every form of emotion, I think. Every form of emotion. Now, Marie, you took to Facebook with a very, very long post. Uh, I did, PJ. In response to this. What, did, what would you like to... What, what yes. were you saying? You, you were talking about your children. Uh, yes, I have a girl who's three and a little boy who's one. And I was saying that, well, I suppose, uh, first of all, all day yesterday, I was thinking of Ashleen in relation to my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, it's so normalized to raise our daughters and teach them how to protect themselves and keep them safe. But then... As, as the day wore on, I started thinking about it in relation to my son. Um, that it's it's so uncomfortable and it's not normal to think, to look at them and think that they could grow up to be the predator. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I feel like it's, you know, kind of almost betraying my one-year-old to say that, but... I think we have to start thinking, not that we're going to look at them and say, you're going to be a predator, but we have to think about that possibility. And parents... You might say that in even thinking this when he's only one year old, you're almost making sure it can never happen. Yeah, that's what my hope would be. You know, we have to, I kind of feel that we have to look at how... We parents, yeah, um, you know, it to to hopefully make it never happen, so that good not, decent you know, men not are even raised. That. You know, good decent men are raised. They don't just arrive, yes, magically at the age of seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. They're raised and they're nurtured by good. No, parents. exactly. Yeah, and they're they're not raised in a bubble either. Yeah. You can't just kind of you know keep them from not knowing bad things happen and then you know are that you know people are capable of doing bad things and you know you can't just then leave them off at 17 18 and go 
you're on your own. Yeah. You you write in your post one particular line, if you don't mind my quoting it, you say, it's inconceivable to think my little blonde-haired, blue-eyed, one-year-old could ever be capable of that. I pray to every god there might be that he will never grow up to victimise women in any way, big or small. Do you think, Mary, you as a mammy... Do you think, because I can't speak, I'm the man, I can't speak about this. Do you think there were mammies all over Ireland this morning looking at their little blonde, blue-eyed, beautiful little boys and thinking, how do I stop you turning out like this? I think there, I, I think there could be. Yeah. But then I think more people need to start thinking that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not enough for us to teach our daughters how to stay safe. Yeah. Um, we need to teach our boys, not even to not be predators, but we need to teach them to, you know, to listen and believe experiences. Yeah. We need to teach them to not be silent, to not be complicit. Um, we need to give them the skills to call out their peers on, yeah. you know, toxic comments, toxic behaviours, because it all starts from there. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a beautiful post, and, and thank you for thank it. Thank you. Uh, do you... Can, how, how do you... I mean, I'm asking because I don't know. I couldn't possibly understand what it feels like to be in a woman's place at the moment in Ireland in that wake of this horrible, horrible crime. How do you feel this morning going about your, your business? I just, um, I feel nervous. Like I live in Glanmire and, you know, it's, it's the morning. I'd usually maybe take the kids out for a walk and like I always bring the dog, but I've never felt like I have to second guess myself. And I know I'm thinking, what if, you know, something, what if I was walking with the kids on my own mm-hmm. and the dog, what would happen? Even, even, yeah. even to think that. Yeah. Okay, Marie. Thank you very much, uh, Marie Marie. Um, there are many numbers that you can call for support right now. Even if you just feel scared, you can call Women's Aid's twenty-four hour national free phone helpline at Cork Sexual Violence Centre. The Women's Aid helpline is one eight hundred. 341900 1-800-341-900 and then the Cork Sexual Violence Centre 1-800-496-496 there are many other numbers um, and you can uh, visit stillhere.ie for loads of different information if you feel in danger, immediate danger you simply contact 999 um, we'll be talking to Women's Aid later in the programme um, I, I feel a bit uh, almost like this isn't my area here. I, I just, I, I don't know how women are feeling. I don't know how the women around me are feeling. I don't know how the women I know and love are feeling. I don't know. I don't know. I can't know. I can't know. Going to change topic for a sec, and then I'll come back to it uh, later on. We've lots more to talk about this Friday, but I do want to change the subject. Story broke this morning in Melbourne, Australia. Here's how it broke on their television station, 7 News. 
Returning to our breaking news, Novak Djokovic could be forced to leave the country within hours after the federal government cancelled his visa. The decision came from Alex Hawke, the immigration minister, at about 10 minutes to six. Now, we understand it also involves an automatic three-year ban from entering Australia. So the world number one, the man who's won nine Australian Open titles, will not be allowed back as it stands into Australia over the next three years. There is a requirement for the Australian Border Force to find him wherever he is now, to put him in a van and take him into some sort of immigration detention. Okay, that's 7 News in Melbourne reporting on that story breaking a couple of hours ago. And I want to go live to Melbourne now to Charnel Vella, who is a political reporter with 7 News. Charnel, uh, good morning or indeed good evening as it is there. Thanks for taking my call. Uh yeah, well, you've called me, so I'll say good morning to you. <laughs> Chanel, um, what is the story? I know that according to your news reporter there from earlier on, that's just a clip from your bulletins earlier on. Is it true that Border Force are now looking to arrest Djokovic? Oh, sorry, it just cut out there. But I can give you the latest that's happening if, if that's, that's fine. good for you. What we know is that in 10 minutes' time, so 8.45pm Australian time, there's going to be a hearing in our Federal Circuit Court. This is what's known as a directions hearing. It's probably going to outline how Novak's lawyers and the Federal Government's lawyers want to proceed uh, with this. We have no doubt that he wants to ap- appeal and his lawyers have probably been planning for this cancellation to to be ready. We know that they want whatever proceedings happen to be finished by Sunday because, of course, the Australian Open happens on Monday. So they really want to get this done over the weekend. Our courts do not sit on the weekend. So this is unprecedented for it to be heard over a weekend. We're also hearing that perhaps he won't be taken to immigration detention. It is the usual practice that immigration would go and pick up a person once their visa is cancelled and take them straight to immigration detention. But we're hearing that he's been told he can stay in the hotel where he has been staying for the last couple of days and he won't have to present to immigration until tomorrow. In normal run of events, he would be forced on centre court as the defending champion. That's unlikely to happen now, I would suspect. Yeah, look, nothing happens quickly in the Australian justice system. I can tell you that. I was a court reporter here for a very long time and it it does get drawn out. So it's unlikely at this point that he will end up on centre court on Monday. So this is presenting as a huge headache now for Tennis Australia as well. They'll have to work out all of the options about what will happen if he doesn't play. Could you outline for me, Chanel, the grounds on which the minister responsible moved to cancel the visa after the court last week had uh, yeah. turned in his favour. Yes. So th- the original visa was cancelled by Border Force. That's the, the people that are at the airport that check all your forms. They went back into the court to appeal that decision. And basically what that court found was that Novak Djokovic wasn't given a fair amount of time. He landed at 11.30pm Australian time. He wanted to wait until 8.30am so he could speak to his lawyers and to Tennis Australia. First, Border Force said that was okay. 
Then they ended up waking him a few hours earlier and saying, no, we're cancelling your visa. So the court found that that wasn't a fair process and they reinstated his visa. Now the immigration lawyer, sorry, immigration minister, Alex Hawke, has made a personal decision to cancel his visa based on uh, the health and good order ground, saying that it's in the public interest to do so. This is completely different. This is around the COVID-19 pandemic and, of course, his uh, exemption. He's not vaccinated. The Prime Minister has also released a statement saying that Australians have sacrificed so much and they need to protect what Australians uh, have sacrificed during our lockdowns, our curfews, our outbreaks and mm. everything that we've had here. So that's what the Prime Minister is saying. So this is entirely different to the last time they were in court. Immigration lawyers in Australia are saying it's going to be very difficult for Novak Djokovic to to fight this. It's very, very narrow grounds that he could win on. Mm. The public reaction, Chanel, to this, how is it being received by the Australian public and indeed in Melbourne where you've had some of the toughest lockdowns since the pandemic began? Yeah, to give your audience an an idea of what's happened in Melbourne, we have been one of the most lockdown cities in the world. Uh, At the height of our lockdowns, we had army on our street. We had an 8pm curfew. You weren't allowed to travel more than a kilometre from your home. Only one person could go out grocery shopping. You had to work from home. The streets were absolutely deserted and it was like that for months. So Victorians have really been through it and Australians have as well. What's happened since then is we've mandated vaccination. So for many, many industries, you have to be vaccinated to keep your job. So when you talk to Australians who have sacrificed so much, like the Prime Minister says, some have even quit their jobs, haven't been able to keep their jobs because they don't want to get vaccinated, to have someone who is rich and famous and is an athlete fly in unvaccinated, that doesn't really sit well with so many people here, given what we've been through. We have a huge vaccination rate. We've just started mandating the booster shot, that third shot. So our government really wants to push those numbers up. So given all the mandates and how high our vaccination rate is, it just doesn't sit well with people that Novak has taken the attitude that he has. And especially we've seen in the last couple of days that it's come out that he knew he was positive on December 16 and he still went out on December 17. Australians just don't buy into that. There's no excuse for that. And we really are a no-nonsense kind of country. So we don't appreciate seeing when people kind of flout the rules and expect to get away with it. Lastly, and briefly, and I know as a court reporter yourself, you you don't like, and I did it myself for years in this side of the world, so we don't like to speculate, but do you think there is any Mm. chance he will turn up with his tennis record on Monday? Oh, look, as you said, it's really hard to speculate, but I think it's it's truly going to take a, a miracle for him to be on centre court on Monday, that the chances are just so slim. And speaking to immigration lawyers, I've spoken to quite a few in the last couple of hours, and they say um, for him to be able to play, for this to be all wrapped up in a nice little bow and done and dusted by Sunday, it's just, it, they, see, they say it's it's near impossible. All right, listen, thank you very much for your time uh, this morning and indeed this evening in your part of the world. That's Charnel Vela, a political reporter with Seven News in Melbourne in the state of Victoria. Djokovic, his chances of playing look like toast, but they're still arguing. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. They can call Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Where you can test drive the full Volkswagen range. Including the all-electric ID3 and ID4. See NewmarketVolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Just on Ashling Murphy again. And we'll come back to it after news with uh, Sarah Benson at Women's Aid. But uh, somebody knows, this is on the phone, a female caller. Somebody knows who owns that bike. If you think about it, there's a good chance that that person is also known to a female. Speak up. Speak up. This is the rather distinctive looking bike that the Gardaí are looking for. 0818-969696. is our number. Now, Selena, this is about the school bus. Uh, and we've had trouble with buses and school buses before. What happened? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, I think it's just over the last three months, my kids, while at the Blarney bus stop outside SMGS in Blarney, the mm. secondary school, the driver has passed them on twice and said to them, look, while it's already 15 minutes late, it says, oh, we can't take you, um, I'm going straight to town. So they're left there again till the next bus comes along, maybe 15 minutes later. So you're talking about them waiting over half an hour. Now, this has happened two or three times. Mm. And on another occasion, the driver picked them Sorry, up. Sorry, Selena, the bus with... wouldn't necessarily be full now, would it? No, no, it's not full. Right. Um, there's plenty of space on it. It's running late, and that's why. And on another occasion, it failed to tell them that it wasn't going to be stopping at any of the stops in Killeen's or Blackpool, and it took them into Patrick Street and just left them in Patrick Street. Oh, crikey. So um, I contacted Bus Air and what my husband did before Christmas and we contacted again when this happened again on Monday. Um, I also got onto the Muskery news page and Damien Boylan and Nola Flynn. I just think it's dark evenings. They're young kids, 12-year-old, 13-year-old girls and standing at a bus stop for over half an hour. Um, I don't know. I just think there's something that maybe we should do they shouldn't be left there that long, I think, waiting at a bus stop, especially if a bus does pass and can take them. I think, did Bus Erin get back onto you last night? Yeah, they rang me last night and said, in situations where a bus is running late, that uh, a controller will tell the driver not to pick up any passengers to get back on schedule, and that this happens if there's another bus that can pick them up within 15 minutes. So that bus will just drive on to try and catch up with the schedule so other people aren't waiting and they'll they'll leave the kids there or whoever, LG, anyone that's at the bus stop for another 15 minutes at least. And send another bus for them, is that it? No, it's the next bus on the schedule. Right. Okay. So the bus that they're waiting for is late. Yeah. 
So that won't pick them up. So it'll make them wait for the next bus on the schedule. And sure, that could be quarter of an hour, half an hour, an hour. Yeah, well, they said they wouldn't happen unless they knew the next bus will be there within 15 minutes. Now, on the phone last night, I did explain that at this stage, the kids could have been standing there maybe 10 minutes before the bus was due, five minutes. Mm -hmm. So they could be there like 15 to 20 minutes and another add another 15 minutes on. So you're talking about over half an hour. These kids could be waiting at the bus stop. Yeah, yeah. So... I think it's the case as well as when the bus driver hasn't told them that he wouldn't be stopping and did drop them into town, into Patrick Street. Yeah. And left them. Did, what, did, they, did, did Bossarian address that for you? Well, they said they're going to look into it and see if they can find out that that shouldn't have happened under any circumstances, that the drivers are instructed to stop and tell people at the bus stops that they are not stopping. So that they have to wait for the next bus. Now, I was also told that because of this, they're looking at a punctuality review coming up. And also that I am the only one that has complained about the buses. So nobody else is complaining. So like, I just think I said I'd raise awareness of it because the more people that complain, yeah, the better chance we have of getting something done. But if you're relying on a service, especially now when we're saying we're trying to take cars off the road, and especially a bus service on a dark, you know, November, December, January. Yeah. And if you have a 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl standing at a bus stop for over half an hour, yeah. you know, it's just not nice. No, it isn't. It's not, ni- it's not nice to be left there as, as an adult. It's not nice to be left standing at a bus stop for half an hour. Uh, yeah. Anyone. Okay. Okay. Listen, Selena, thank you very much. Bus Aaron came back to Selena last night and explained, gave their explanation, but... The idea that someone... There's two things happen. One, the children are left at the bus stop because the bus just goes straight past them and they're supposed to be collected by the next bus and to get the bus back on schedule. And that's that. The other one is they were picked up, but then the bus didn't stop at any of the intervening stops where they were supposed to get off. It drove straight into Patrick Street. So you have 12 and 13-year-olds left in Patrick Street. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. They according to what Selena has told us, Bus Aaron said she's the only one making complaints like this. I wonder is she? Bernie says with the buses, it's happening all the time. You could be waiting ages for a bus, and then three come together. I'm glad someone else is highlighting this now. On the subject of Tullamore and the horrible murder of Ashling Murphy, we're getting some interesting calls uh, from women actually. Caller says, the vast, vast majority of men are decent and I'd love if PJ asked all the men to turn up at the marina tomorrow to say we stand behind you, which is up to any man who wants to do that, indeed to do that. PJ, why are there, why are we all assuming, and this is a woman on the phone, why are we all assuming it's a man did this in Tullamore? It's this all adding to the stereotypical views of people and adds to gender inequality? Another one, this is the male caller. Do we know a man killed her? I have a mother, sister, a wife, two daughters. I'm worried for them because there's a psycho on the loose. Not because all men could be predators. I was thinking yesterday about the whole not all men thing, which I learned many years ago to change my attitude. And it was changed for me very quickly by a close friend. I was out for lunch 
with his friend and there was another murder in the news and I happened to make the point, you know what, it's it's not all men. I wish I wish we could understand it's not all men. To which my friend put a hand up and said, look, stop, Paige, stop. I know that you are not going to hurt me in a month of blue moons. I know. I know that nobody around me that I know is going to hurt me. I know that. But when I leave you after our lunch and I'm walking home, do I know that the next guy I meet or I see or I hear behind me, do I know that he is not going to hurt me? And she said, unfortunately, in the world in which we now live, I don't. I know that you're no threat to me. But I don't know that the next guy I meet, as we go, as I go home after meeting you for lunch, I don't know that they're okay. And that's the world in which I live. And that kind of stopped me thinking about not all men, to be very honest. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We're going to go straight to the offices of Women's Aid and speak with their CEO, Sarah Benson. Sarah, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Good morning to you and to your listeners today. Thanks for being with us today. Um, it's 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 hard to comprehend and to take in what has happened in Tullamore this week, isn't it? It is because what we are talking about is something that is literally senseless. You have, you know, a, a beautiful young woman, all all of her life, all of her potential robbed and, and all of the, the, the ripples that are hitting her family, her community, the the, the children she taught. And, uh, you know, and, and I think, um, you know, I, I, saying again and again, our, our, our deepest condolences and thoughts are first and foremost with that family, with that community, because it is incomprehensible that somebody should do something so normal and uh, be subjected to, to such a brutality that actually ends their life. It is hard to comprehend, really. The Sarah Everard story <coughs> last summer uh, dominated our conversation here for quite a number of days. There was also the case of Sabina Nessa, of, of which I know less. But I think there's a new level here, isn't there, Sarah, when this happened at four o'clock on a bright, sunny, crisp January day. Mm. Yeah, and and I think we we ourselves also in Women's Aid the first thing we we kind of uh, heard felt were, were the echoes 
of the Sarah Everard case and very quickly the kind of discourse, the kind of distress and it is real distress across the whole of our community but also the anger, um, you know, had uh, all of the echoes of the, that kind of outpouring that, that came after the Sarah Everard case and while that happened in the UK it really, really did um, have an impact here as well and, and this case then just brings it all the more closer to home and, and indeed in Sarah Everard's case, nine o'clock, walking home, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and again, we, we risk falling into those kind of victim blaming tropes of this was a situation where this shouldn't have happened. There's no situation, be it at two o'clock in the morning, walking home from the club sure. or walking home from, you know, babysitting or from your job. Uh, you know, there just is no circumstance where a woman should risk, uh, you know, that level of attack. And yet that's kind of hardwired into all women, including myself, I, I, I know that, you know, um, for, for as, as long as I can remember, you know, I've, I've done all the things that women have, have talked about. And particularly in my teens and 20s, when, you know, young women, uh, you know, can be much, uh, you know, can be higher risk targets. Um, but the fact is, they're a target of somebody and our focus needs to shift towards the perp the person who actually is the perpetrator. That's where we need to actually uh, make meaningful change. What kind of person does this, Sarah? I know that there's a lot of research into this kind of thing. What kind of an individual does this? Well, I think, again, the... the the, the reality is, is that people who go on to perpetrate the worst excesses of violence, be they against men or against women, but particularly where we're talking about violence targeting women, it has its roots in, uh, you know, a, a sexism, a misogyny that starts small. I mean, people don't escalate to these kinds of behaviours uh, from nowhere. It doesn't come from nowhere. And that's where, as a society, we need to be really careful um, and it's a challenge, but we have to situate the behaviour of those who act in the most extreme way around how do we as a community educate that person? What messages were out there? What early warning signs of perhaps disrespectful behaviour towards women, uh, casual sexism, degrading comments, you know, uh, intimate partner violence? All of those are on a spectrum that leads in its worst and thankfully rarer uh, excesses to the extremes of sexual and physical violence um, that that we and our colleagues in, in the domestic service, in violence services and sexual violence services are dealing with every day, but they don't come from nowhere. Our society breeds it. In a statement, you say every woman should have the right to be safe, both in their own homes and in their communities. We need zero tolerance to all forms of male violence against women. And it takes all of us to commit to lasting change. The Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, has been on multiple media platforms over the last day and a half. What effectively is her job and the government's job, Sarah, in this regard. Yeah, well, I mean, and I think I think I would I would home in on what you've just said last. There is that it is the whole government's response. This is not the responsibility of any one ministry or minister. Um, so we will very soon have the publication of our new domestic, sexual, and gender-based violence strategy. There has been a very broad-based, very detailed consultation, different to any other um, development of previous uh, national strategies, and crucial to that. And and we and our colleagues in the likes of Safe Ireland and and Break crisis centres and, and all of the organisations working on the different forms of domestic, sexual and gender-based violence have said that this has to be owned across all of government. It also has to be monitored with some authority at, at a very senior level in government because 
one ministry can't necessarily hold another to account. And this is a multifaceted approach. It starts at our earliest education, our, our uh, sexual, sexuality and relationships education from primary school up. We can't talk about consent in college if we haven't been talking to our Montessori children about what it is to be respectful, you know, of boys and girls, uh, parity of esteem, uh, you know, really tackling those negative gender stereotypes, which are actually really unhealthy for boys just as much as girls. So this isn't a this isn't a, something that we're saying is just for women. Anything like this will actually benefit all of society. Society. And then we need our protections. We need the continued and increased resourcing of all of the support services um, and indeed services for, for male victims of violence, because fundamentally, uh, the vast, vast majority of violence perpetrated against both men and women is by men. But women's experience is different because it is in the context of a gender unequal society. So any gains we are to make have to be done with the, the perspective that Combating domestic and sexual violence on its own, uh, it, you know, siloed off to the side isn't really a, a, a strategy that's going to work. It has to be working towards a gender equal society mm-hmm. um, will then help us to uh, to reduce and prevent, you know, that really hard edge of manifestation of um, uh, male violence against women. I told my listeners a story just there before the 10 o'clock news, um, Sarah. I once would have given some credence to the whole not all men argument until, and this is a number of years ago, I was having lunch with a good friend and I was bringing this up in the context of some violent crime that had happened and she said, stop a second now, she said, you're my friend. I know that you pose absolutely no threat to me or to anybody else around me. I know that. I'm perfectly happy with that and to know that. But when I leave our lunch meeting and I'm walking home alone, do I know that the next man I see coming behind me or in front of me, do I know that, that they are no threat? No, I don't. That, she said, is what we live with. I don't know. Now, Sarah, that first of all taught me to understand that the not all men thing is a worthless argument. But how do I help How do the rest of us men, boys, how do we help to to make that go away or make that right? Yeah, I mean, and and I think that example your friend gave just kind of cuts to the heart of it is, you know, no woman knows we don't have a radar, we don't know. So our default position in certain circumstances will be to assume that someone is a potential threat. Now, for those who kind of espouse the not all men, I I actually see, you know, and I understand that for for some men that feels like it's a really painful thing. Um, And I think that's because they're taking it personally. This isn't personal to individual men. It is simply the reality that this is women's lived experience in a society that unfortunately has an epidemic of violence Mm. against women. And so setting aside your personal feelings, understanding that being part of a solution is modeling the opposite, is modeling the healthy, respectful, you know, as I say, men and women are different. Um, so it's not about we're all same, same. It is about respecting and also really challenging and just and, and, and interrogating sometimes those unconscious thoughts that come in, which are actually steeped in, you know, value judgments, victim blaming, all of those things. Um, so that thing of being really alert to your thoughts uh, as they relate to maybe sexist jokes, uh, you know, minimizing certain uh, certain um, experiences that women have, minimising their fears. Listen to women, ask. I mean, one of the things that was so 
surprising to me and I think to a lot of women with the Sarah Everard case was just how surprised so many men seemed to be to hear what uh, women had gone through, you know, where they were just literally naming experiences over their lifetime. I mean, yeah. I, I can say for myself, at, at 15, I was curb, ca- curb crawled at the bus stop waiting to go to school. At, at 18, living in another country, I had a knife held to me on a, th- on a train. You know, uh, I had I actually had an incident involving a gun at one point. And, you know, people are just astonished to think that that's something that is part of women's lived experience. Mm. And... Um, and so I think it's that kind of realizing that you, you, you have to open yourself up to listen. But I think the crucial thing is listen, listen to women, just hear what their experience is so you can understand, because it's hard to empathize with an experience you don't know and can't connect mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, but also then be part of that conversation, be part of that peer to peer calling out, you know, don't let that really sexist joke slide. Don't let that remark that was passed at the woman as she was passing in the bar go. Call out your friend, call out your your um, your colleague um, and just be part of that uh, zero tolerance because that is, we know it's a powerful thing, peer to peer, man to man, father to son, um, you know, uh, to, to actually just go, you know, that's not cool. And it's amazing how quickly that can actually do fuse, you know, quite tense situations. And it really sends a strong message to usually the minority in the group or even just the one individual in the group who might think, well, my friends aren't saying anything about that, so it must be okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sarah Everard and the fallout from that brought a realisation, I think, to certainly to me and to many others, I think, listeners of the programme, Every, you just related your own, every woman seems to have a story. Some of it very small scale stuff. Some of it terrifying stuff. Every woman has a story. That's the first learning, I think, for all of us. Absolutely. And I think it even goes beyond that because what happens, and this is very similar to domestic violence and coercive control, where you may have one incident or your friend may have one incident, which is very, very frightening. And then you may not have that experience for years and years and years yourself, but it is always in your head that that could happen. And what that does is it instills that default vigilance. um, And it comes back to what your friend really succinctly Uh, shared is that we don't know if, therefore we have to assume that it could be, therefore we all then start to take these measures. So it isn't the case that we are necessarily saying that women are subjected every single day, you know, uh, relentlessly to to these kind of abusive behaviours. The problem is that once it happens once, we always know that it could happen again and we don't know when and we don't know who. So that is what creates the climate of fear, not that it happens all the time. But we need to then dispel that by, you know, um, I'm very, very lucky in my life. I have really in, in my in my close male relationships, nothing but good men. And that's a wonderful thing. But, you know, when I'm out in the street and we need to make sure our communities feel safe. And yes, we will. Women will continue to look at things like apps, like self-defense and like all of those things until that changes. But that's not the solution. Those are only mitigating factors in the same way that public life 
and more policing in certain areas may again mitigate. But the only thing that's going to change this is if we can, um, you know, if, you know, at, at best utterly reduce, uh, but if not uh, eradicate, you know, the actual violence itself. Because once it happens once, it can always happen again. All right. Listen, Chief Executive of Women's Aid, Sarah Benson, thank you for being with me on the opinion line today on Cork's 96FM. If you need support from Women's Aid, their 24-hour helpline, and it's free, is one 800 341 900. Locally, uh, Mary Crilly and her wonderful team at the Cork Sexual Violence Centre, they're contactable at 1-800-496-496. Uh, there are many numbers that you can ring also on a website at stillhere.ie. And of course, at any time, if you feel in immediate danger, the number to ring is 999-112. Here's another message that I got <clears throat> with regard to not all men. We know this. If I gave you a hundred drinks and told you one of them was poison, wouldn't you be wary of every single drink? Unfortunately, this mentality is hard to change. I live in London. I'm 38 weeks pregnant. In 2020, Sarah Everard and Sabrina Nessa were killed in London, just like Ashling Murphy. The thought of even going for a walk alone on this beautiful bright morning is terrifying. I admire you for sharing numbers that women can ring in fear, but perhaps we also need to begin to share numbers men can ring if they feel uncontrollable violence and unpredictable female hatred. This is the root of the problem. An interesting hashtag on social media is Fix It Ireland, which may be worth a look. It's taken all the headlines and rewritten them to highlight the main problem, violence against women. It's difficult to discuss as a man, but even giving it airtime and facilitating the conversation is admirable. Well, thank you for that. Mary Jane says, that's the world all women live in, PJ. Your friend is absolutely correct. Every woman I know has a story, and it's always been this way. There was never a golden time when women were safe. Kate says she carries a whistle all the time. It's not a weapon, but it can deter, just as a tip. Many others. Michael says, today isn't about debating whether it's all men or not. Today is about reassuring women that as men we support them 100% and we'll do whatever it takes to make sure changes happen individually and collectively. And we need to, make, need to make a number of promises to treat all women with respect, to treat every woman as an equal, to never make a woman feel intimidated, to be an example to other men of how women should be treated, to always call out misogyny and to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I'm sure we'll come back to it later. Change of tack when we come back. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Tell us some good news, Kev, please. Good news is I'm back at work. Yeah, I work for the government. Actually the government, is it? I look, I'll have to make you disappear if I tell you. You're a magician. You're yeah. a... <laughs> Just like the boys in the government. Vanish when you need them, that kind I of thing. listen, the government yeah. couldn't even make voting machines disappear, never mind us. <laughs> that, that was an awkward laugh. He's like, I shouldn't be laughing at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my decision. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool. First Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221. And always open 24-7 at noldc.com. 96 FM. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. The Cork Kai tells me that the Residents Association from Downing Street would like to come on the programme to complain about the unacceptable level of noise and parties at number 10. I know, I know, God almighty. If they get one more story, I mean, there was supposedly two parties now the night before... Prince Philip's funeral. Two parties in number 10 Downing Street. <laughs> the Residents Association apparently have issued a strongly worded statement to the opinion line and would like to come on to complain. <laughs> Thank you, Kaipu. I swear to goodness, I will find out someday who you are. I will, you know. Just on the buses, and we were talking earlier on this morning to Sabrina about the buses and the children being left at the bus stop and then being picked up sometimes and brought in right into Patrick Street because the bus wasn't stopping anywhere else. It takes a lot of other things to... Okay, this is from a school bus driver. It takes a lot of other things to happen for the bus to run behind time. The main problem is that in Cork City, there's not enough bus lane infrastructure. We have to deal with double parking in lots of areas. That causes huge delays. I'm a dad, so are 90% of the rest of us. We don't, as a general rule, leave any kids behind. It's really unfortunate the ladies' kids have hit a problem with their service. Also, time schedules are set by the National Transport Authority, sometimes with unrealistic timetables for buses to run. I'm upset that children are left behind, but I can speak for the majority of drivers. We don't, as a rule, if possible, leave kids behind. There's a whole lot of other things going on that lead to problems all over the bus network, and thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. Do you find that the winter weather, now they're finally having some of it, does it play havoc with your skin? Well, every expert out there says it does, and that we need to mind our skin. Men and women need to mind our skin in the height of winter. Kelly from Kelly's Skin Solutions it joins me. Hi, Kelly. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning. What are the basic things that the sun, or the winter rather, does to your skin yeah. So generally, I suppose Irish skin were that little bit more sensitive um, and prone to sensitivity. So the, the harsh weather um, outside and then the huge amount of artificial heating we're surrounded by when we go inside tends to dry out our skin and heighten sensitivity. Um, it's really, really common. There's really easy steps you can incorporate into your skincare routine and your daily lifestyle, whether you have a 10-step routine at the moment or you're starting from scratch. There's loads of really easy, simple tips you can incorporate to stop that fluctuation where the skin is getting dry and irritated and a bit flaky from the winter weather. An interesting thing is the number of women in particular and I think some men too who were taken to wearing sunscreen in winter yeah why would you do that you're not going to get burnt are you 
you could get windward, but I think we, in general, we associate sunscreen and SPF with sun. And that's really common. It's something I see all the time. People saying, oh, it's a dull day. Sure, I don't need my SPF. But in 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 the truth, you do. So SPF is a brilliant barrier on the skin. If you're someone who suffers with dehydration and dryness or sensitivity, the SPF is a great barrier between you and the cold. So you don't get the same irritation and you don't get the same flushing of the skin. But also water reflects UV rays up to 30%. We're surrounded by rain in Ireland. You know, we're always around puddles and we like to walk by the lakes and the rivers. So we do have those UV rays bouncing back up even when it's not sunny, they're penetrating through the clouds. So we do need to be wearing an SPF 30 in the winter. Not necessarily a 50, but we should be wearing 30 day to day when we're out for our walks and exercising. What about chapped and dry skin? And I'm thinking maybe of faces, yes, but of hands and something that hasn't helped with that, Kelly. Because I know because my own son, the poor devil, is plagued by dry, chapped knuckles from flipping sanitizer. Sanitizer. Yeah, I know it's a tough one because we need sanitizer, right? We It's going to stay in our routine for the foreseeable, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we're using it going in and out of any, you know, office, any shop, etc. So it has to stay. What I would say is you need a humectant hand cream, right? That basically means that humectant draws water to the surface of the skin. So it's super, super hydrating. Um, and examples of that would be lactobionic acid, glycolic acid. But I'd really recommend a Jaya hand cream. And if you want a nice sanitizer that won't overly dry you out, you know, if you want to keep one in your pocket or your car or, or you know, in your own home, that isn't going to dry you out. Voya do an absolutely fantastic hand sanitizer. It doesn't smell too chemically, but the main thing is it doesn't dry out the skin. So a Voya sanitizer and a Jaya hand cream, both in the affordable price range, but just really good if you find you're getting really irritated Mm. and just those cracked and even sometimes hands are bleeding at this stage. They can very sore. His sanitizer. It doesn't seem to bother me at all or indeed his mother, but his his knuckles really, they crack, you know? Yeah, yeah. Actually, what what about the old-fashioned way of just putting some Vaseline on cracked skin? Have we moved on from that? I suppose we have. Vaseline's, again, a great barrier. So, like, you know, you'd often hear people talking about putting it on dry eyes as well. It's a good barrier. Um, But it's not going to get deep down and hydrate the skin. You know, it might give a temporary effect, but it's probably not going to to start solving the problem. Other great options are if it's somebody like that who's really suffering with their their hands or any part of their skin, even their body, with really dry, flaky skin and cracking, is make sure you're drinking plenty of water. And omega supplements are absolutely fantastic to start hydrating the skin from the inside out. So there's loads you can do, like that could be eating more fatty fish and things like that. You can start to incorporate those as well to really hydrate the skin internally as well. Something else that, of course, is a a modern part of our lives is the wearing of masks. And some people have found that their lips get very sore and very dried out when they're wearing masks a lot. First of all, what causes that? And secondly, how can you help? So I suppose what's causing that really is that dry air inside the mask, right? We know it breeds bacteria, but it's also you've no fresh ventilation in the mask. So it's tend to drying out. It tends to dry out um, the lips. Then when our lips get dry, most of us, nine out of 10 of us will lick our lips to try and 
and you know alleviate that that dry sensation so you know immediately you'll get a bit of relief but what you're actually doing is you're further drying out the lips by putting that saliva on them so you need to be wearing a lip balm um now something like a vaseline is quite good on the lips because we just want to seal that barrier off if you're someone who uses a toner in their skincare routine you could be using a ph balance toner over your lips at night to really really um reinforce the protective barrier Mm. but you do want to be taking mask breaks as much as you can in a safe environment but layering over a vaseline or the cerave lip balm is really really good just to seal that barrier and get some hydration back into the lips there's a thing i would never be without in my work bag in the winter time is a thing called carmex or savex yeah they're good are they yeah, like Carmex, I suppose, is really popular. And again, it's the same. It's along the same lines as Vaseline. It's that barrier on the skin. Mm. So, yeah, you're definitely on the right track there. Bear has called in. She says, loving this topic, having a trouble with my skin, very dry face at the moment. Any advice? Yeah, yeah, definitely. OK, so one, um, she needs to be wearing SPF, you know, every day. Um some easy tips to incorporate day to day is keep the car fans pointed away from your face. In the winter, we tend to blast the heat when we get into the car. Point them down to your feet and that way you're not getting this harsh um, heat on your skin drying it out. If you're opening the oven at home, make sure you open it, step back and let the heat pass before that blast of heat goes to your skin. Be very careful of going hot to cold quite quickly and it's hard to avoid that, you know, Mm. going inside or outside and then sitting by a fire, but try to gradually let your skin adapt to to the warmer and cooler environments. Um, A pH balanced toner is absolutely fantastic and using hyaluronic acid in in any skincare routine is beneficial. Even if someone is normally oily and they've got a bit of dryness now um, hyaluronic acid is safe to use. It's in so many skincare products and it'll really start to get down deep into the dermis and start hydrating the skin. Um, Exfoliating regularly is also a good option. Just avoid scrubs up for enzymes instead. Okay, okay. Kelly, have you got an Insta or a Facebook or somewhere where people can follow you? Yeah, um, if anyone wants any advice, they can head over to Instagram. It's at Kelly Skin Solutions and on Facebook, we're Skin Solutions. All right, listen, Kelly, good to talk with you. And thank you. That's Kelly from Kelly's Skin Solutions. 0818 96 96 96. The Lord Mayor... Colm Kelleher in association with Deputy Lord Mayor and Chair of Cork City Council's Women's Caucus, that's Dr. Councillor Mary Rose Desmond, are opening an online book of condolence for the late Ashley Murphy. To sign, you simply go to corkcity.ie. So there won't be, we can't obviously at the moment queue up in City Hall like we would on other occasions, but you can go online to corkcity.ie and they've opened that online book of condolence. Good morning, PJ. My deepest sympathy goes out to Ashling's family. This situation must not stop us from going on our walks. I'm living in West Cork. I walk on my own most days and I intend to continue in the hope that I will be safe. Thanks. That's from Una. Thank you, Una. And on the phone, as big and all as this is yesterday, today and tomorrow, it'll be all forgotten about and put on the back boiler and nobody will actually beef up the policing, the sentencing and everything that actually prevents bad people from doing bad things. As far as possible, we, uh, this is the caller and her female friends, go out in twos and threes. And it's sad that that's the most realistic thing you can do to prevent another murder. The punishment has to fit the... Uh, hold on, one. Another murder. Yes, one of the few times the government picked up the ball in response to public pressure 
was during the pandemic. The government realised they couldn't fail when they saw how the public felt about the vaccine and in fairness, in the end, it was excellent with the rollout. We can't be talking airy-fairy stuff about the next generation. That's not going to stop the next murder. The punishment has to fit the crime. If it's a huge crime, it has to be a huge sentence and it would terrorise any potential murderer at the thought of being caught. Personally, I wouldn't go out on my own at all. And that's the saddest part of your message, that you wouldn't feel safe going out on your own at all. That's the bit that... That's the hardest bit to accept. And that's the hardest thing to know, that you just don't feel safe going out on your own. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Rising Irish star CMAT has made waves in very little time with infectiously calm tongue-in-cheek nature evoking Dolly Parton and Lily Allen at the same time. She'll play her first Cork Show of 2022 at Cypress Avenue on Wednesday, March 9th, with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. More acts have been added to Indy 22 with the academic Wild Youth, Pa Sheehy and Roy Seven among those joining Bastille, Fatboy Slim and Rudimental Live. It takes place on the August Bank holiday weekend in Mitchellstown with camping tickets on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or any live streaming events coming up by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork. 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. I'll go through, before we finish at 12, I'll go through again a summary of what, um, what uh, vigils and gatherings and walks and stuff are on in memory of Ashley Murphy. I'll go through them before we finish at midday, as many as we can get. And also, uh, there was something else I had intended to do before 12 as well. Yes, there's, on your various makes of phone, there are some little safety features that you have to know about to activate. Fergal's done up quite a comprehensive little survey of what they are, and I'll go through as many of them. Maybe, Ferg, if you've got the facility in there in your back in, in, in the back the back room. Could you possibly print off that information for me? Uh, easier to read it off a piece of paper than off a screen that might move, but thanks for that. We'll do all that uh, before we finish today. But the new book out called Frankie's World, which is described as a graphic novel about autism. It's written by Aoife Dooley, who was twenty seven, I think, Aoife, when you yourself discovered that you that you had autism just start with that do you prefer the term because i always ask uh, do you prefer the term have autism or are autistic which do you prefer good morning uh, i prefer autistic because um i find when people say have autism it's just kind of like saying it's like i've seen someone on twitter actually saying it it's like saying you have a chin or something <laughs> do you know what i mean so mm. i think uh, yeah i prefer autistic definitely thank you for asking okay. a lot of people don't Let's go with that then. You were 27 when you got your diagnosis. Was that life-changing? It was. It was um, a huge relief to find out, to be honest, because I think a lot of people, especially me, I I knew my whole life there was something 
but I just didn't know what it was. So it was a big relief to find out and understand myself better. De- definitely. What kind of things did it explain for you? It explained um, why I find it so hard to make friends uh, and engage with people and talk to people. Um, it explained my, um, I suppose, my love for video games as well, because um, I was obsessed with them growing up. Um, my mom couldn't get me off them. Um, I think that um, it, it, it explains a lot of things. It explains why I, I, I love art, because I used to spend so much time drawing in my room. Um, someone actually said to me that that's kind of like a form of stimming as well. Um, I don't think I'd done anything now. I, I probably would have been told to stop kind of messing around. So I think drawing was a, a big kind of... Um, uh, thing for me just to relax and kind of uh, you know that kind of way so I think yeah a lot of things it explained a lot like and how I behaved as a child and then an adult as well and in college and stuff you know yeah yeah so how did Frankie's world come about I really wanted uh, for the last couple of years to do something um, around autism and children and I wanted to write a book basically around an autistic character because when I was a kid, I could never find a book that related to me or I could never see myself in books. So I thought it was important for other kids to be able to see themselves as well. And especially in this format as well, because I was a reluctant reader growing up and I thought that I hated books Mm -hmm. just because I was made to read in front of the class or anything like this. Anything that was embarrassing, I was made to kind of not like books and I thought that I wasn't good at reading and I wasn't good at this, that and the other. But I just had never found my book. And I think with a graphic novel format, it's very easy to read. And, you know, when you get to the end of it, you feel like you've accomplished something as well. And I wanted it to be easy to read for that reason, you know. Mm. And you did all the illustration. This is completely your own work. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So tell me about Frankie. Who's Frankie? We're tw- we meet we meet her as she's twelve. Yeah. So Frankie is um, twelve years old, and she knows she's different to everyone else in her class, but she's not really sure why. And um, she knows she 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 feels a bit like an alien, and her best friend Sam thinks she could be an alien as well. And she knows that she doesn't know who her dad is. And she starts to wonder, oh, what if he's an alien? What if he holds all the answers and knows why I'm different? So her and her best friend Sam basically go on an adventure to try and find him. But um, I think Frankie is um, the kind of friend who is is there for you. And I think Sam is the same as well. They're very close. And then they go on. They have another friend called Rebecca as well in their class. So it's kind of like... um, three girls go on an adventure to find Frankie's dad, basically, to try and find the answers that she's been looking for. Mm. That's the gist of the story. Yeah, and Frankie, of course, is based on yourself and the things that you remember from you being 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there that would be loosely based on my own life and uh, the way that I would have behaved. I definitely was one of those kids that uh, said the wrong thing at the wrong time and uh, would always put my foot in it by saying the wrong thing. So Mm. there's definitely uh, similarities in there for sure. (laughs) <laughs> and of course being a, being a comedian and knowing when to say the right things at the right time is very important oh yeah absolutely I think it worked brilliant for comedy but uh, everywhere else outside my life maybe maybe not as much <laughs> All right. well, listen, definitely Eva, not in skill I wish you luck with it now the reason I opened with the question I did is because I, I, I have it in my life my son is 24 uh, and, and he's autistic and he's a fabulous young man and uh, I, I I'm so interested in the fact that particularly women, many, many women uh, are now discovering the, their autism in their 20s yeah. and, th- and 30s. And there's that whole angle to it too. Um, Stephanie Preisner 
also discovered yeah. her autism in her in her thirties, I think. So it's it's fascinating. So that's why I wanted to talk to you on the program, and I'm glad that we did. I really do appreciate it. Uh, can I ask a question here? Sorry, this has just come in. Uh, can you please ask Eva a question? I think my 17 year old daughter is on the spectrum. Uh, my difficulty is: do I wait for her to say she wants to be assessed? Or do I suggest it? She's highly intelligent. I'm not sure if you can address that question. Um, yeah, I think, well, if she's really struggling with her mental health and she's in school, I think it'd be worthwhile sitting down to have a conversation with her first, at least. I think that would be, that's what I would like. If if my, if my mom, for example, was here today and I was in school and she's seeing me really struggling and she knew, I'd like to have a chat with her, I think, first. I think there's, that would be the best approach well, for me anyway, but I'm not um, a psychologist or anything, so I don't want to put my foot in it there yeah. now, to be fair. Because no. okay. I, I can't speak for everyone and how everyone's going to react, you know. I so I just read it. This, The listener was anxious that we put that question to you. Thanks for, for answering it as best you can. Aoife Dooley, uh, the author of uh, Frankie's World, a graphic novel about autism. Thanks for being with me on the opinion line. 0818 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, 96, Right, we'll try and do some of that stuff on phones and how you can set up alerts on on your phones. And I know, before I even go there, I know that someone is thinking, why should I have to do that? I'm not saying that you do. But what I'm trying to do and what Fergal is trying to do when he put this very comprehensive list together is try to just advise you that there are things you can do to keep yourself safe. And in a world where you shouldn't have to, but you unfortunately do have to, that's kind of our way of helping. Do you know, they all say that we all, or many people say, we have a book in us. We all have a book in us. There's a book in every single one of us, be it a story or a biography or something in, in all of us. Well, Vanessa O'Loughlin has set up a website uh, and about how to be a writer. Simple. Uh, now, Vanessa O'Loughlin, who... If you read the Sam Blake books, Vanessa Lockton and Sam Blake are one and the same person. I'm delighted to say that she joins me now. Hi, Vanessa. Morning. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Good to speak with you. Um, t- tell me about the website and about how you believe, you do believe, obviously, that there's a book in, in, in all of us once we know how to put it together. Oh, I do, absolutely. Yeah, no, so writing.ie is the website and I set up a long time ago now. Um, it's basically the, uh, it's the world's only national resources writing website um, and contains just thousands of articles from authors about how they've written, how they write, how they compose stories, um, covers everything from non-fiction to food writing and, you know, um, newsy stuff to right the way through to fiction. Mm. I read a lot of fiction, a lot of crime fiction, and I often think myself when I put a book down, I think I could do something like that. Absolutely. I think everybody can. It's yeah. just, and, but you're so right when you, in the introduction there where you said um, it might not be a book, it might be an article, it might be a short story. It, you know, I think there's definitely, we're all storytellers in this country and that's something the Irish have uniquely, um, I think, above everybody else in the world. Um, and so we think in story and we talk in story all the time and so therefore it's just really a case of putting it on the page. That's a bit can, t- can be tricky. Writing.ie. 
ie is the website. Now that I have an opportunity to talk to Sam Blake, um, who's, by the way, I've read an awful lot of your stuff. Oh, that's right. Uh, and I, I unashamedly describe myself to Fiona that I'm a fan. Oh, fantastic. So, <laughs> interestingly enough, you changed your name to Sam Blake because you thought, if I'm right here, you thought that people wouldn't buy a crime book by a woman. Yeah, there's a, there's a theory in publishing, um, and in fact the Guardian did a big, big, big article about it a little while ago, that um, some men, not all of them, um, don't like reading women's crime writers. And so um, an awful lot of female crime writers have androgynous first names. Um, so yeah, that's how Sam Blake came about. Um, and also because O'Loughlin is a gorgeous name here in Ireland, but it's quite tricky with people to manage in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and you need something that's memorable and that, you know, if somebody hears us chatting here now, it's much easier for them to remember. Sam Blake than the rest of my very long name. And it's strange because I've been saying to my listeners for years that I think that some of the world's best crime writing at the moment is by Irish women. Couldn't agree with you more. I know that, <laughs> but I, I do. I've said, been saying it for years. I mean, people like Patricia Gibney yeah. and Catherine Ryan Howard. Yeah. You know, the, the class, class writers. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I'd like to think that, that that's a, a, a sort of a Watch something that that won't last. This notion. Talk to me about Cat Connolly. I want her back. Oh, I know. I only got a message last night on Facebook saying that exact same thing. So Cat Connolly was my, I suppose, my debut character. Um, Little Bones was the debut novel, and um, she broke onto the scene. Um, finding the bones of a baby hidden in the hem of a wedding dress. That was her sort of first story. Um, and there were three Cat Connolly books. Uh, she's a fantastic character to write, to write very feisty, um, really great female character. Um, but yeah, I did three, three books with her, and I know where she goes next. And in fact, um, if you get an opportunity, if you have a Kindle and you um, can download a book called High Pressure, which is a digital release that came out yeah. in between books this year, you, you might just see a little bit of a glimpse of Cat at the end. Well, there's interesting because I have that book on the Kindle haven't read it yet but I noticed that a character who was very big in the third yes. Cat Connolly book Anna Lockhart is in it so I said is this cat coming back? Uh, not quite but you, you'll be, I think you'll be pleased to see you'll see a glimpse of it let's just say that I will I look, I look, I look forward to it, it, it they're all like the standalones at the dark the dark room I read that was my that was my introduction to your writing oh, was, was, was the dark room and the new one is Remember my name. How long does it take you to write a book, Vanessa? Um, I'm quite a fast writer, I think, because now um, when we were talking about Little Bones there and the, setting up the website, Little Bones was actually, it was my debut novel, but it was my, the fifth book that I wrote. Um, so one of the sort of pieces of advice for people is that when you sit down to write, what you first write might not be the thing that ends up on the shelf, but you just have to keep going. Just keep writing was absolutely the best advice I was ever given. Mm. Um, so, it t so at this point, I've written um, Rem Remember My Name, which is in the shops at the moment, is uh, my seventh book released and probably does that make it the 13th book I've written I'm not sure I can't add up um, so at this stage it takes me about three months to write a first draft but I do spend a lot of time thinking about it so I'll spend a month maybe two months chewing over the story and I'm working on now one at the moment and I love that it's so exciting the phase where you're sort of looking for the ideas and you're drawing the threads together um, and then I create for me the way I work is I create a plan an overview of what the story is going to be about, and then it's just kind of sitting down and writing it. Yeah. Um, but it always allows space for um, things to change. That's um, the thing. And coming back to the whole writing.ie thing, like I think what would put an awful lot of people off writing their first story 
is you then have to give it to an editor who will tear lumps out of it. You really have to get used to that, don't you? I think it's the thing is, an editor's role is to make your book better. Um, and yes, when you write your first book, I mean, when I wrote my very, very, very first book back in the day, um, I thought it was absolutely amazing and sent it out everywhere. And needless to say, it was rejected absolutely everywhere because it needed quite a lot of work. Um, but it's that learning, learning the process and learning the art and the craft of writing is really important. Um, you know, you wouldn't, um, if your brother-in-law said tomorrow morning that he wanted to become a plumber, you wouldn't employ him the next day to come and plumb your house. You'd expect him to go and do a few courses and learn how to do it. Um, and it's the same with writing. I think because we learn writing in school and we all speak English and all the rest of it, you tend to think, oh, well, I can just do this. Um, but it's actually that, that learning process is very, very important um, and, you know, finding out how to do it. Um, so, yeah, at this stage I can write quite quickly and um, can get the story down. But it, there's been a lot in the learning process to get to that point. Mm, yeah. Coming back to Kat briefly, two things. One, I'd love to see her on television. I don't know if there's any television. <laughs> Any television. And the other one, and I think most anyone who read the books would love to know, did she actually move to Limerick or did she get into the emergency response? We want another another cat book. You'll see how you'll see. You'll see in high pressure at the end. That's and that will be your answer to that question. Brilliant. Thanks, <laughs> Vanessa, and great to speak with you and keep up the great writing as Sam Blake. And that website is writing.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, the fat fingers. Sorry about that, Vic. <laughs> 0818 96 96 96. Just uh, Sam Blake or Vanessa Lachlan. Sam Blake's new book is Remember my name that's her latest book uh, there's the other ones are out there high pressure which is the one you'll only get on a kindle or other e-reader the dark room which i highly recommend but i would encourage you to look out for the cat Connolly series they're all out in paperback now at this stage pop into my pal john in waterstones and he'll surely get them for you great to get to one of, it's lovely when you get a chance to uh, talk to one of your favorite writers on the radio, so that's good. 0818 96 96 96. There are quite a number of events happening. I'll go through them again before we finish today. Some of them are this evening, some of them are tomorrow, all in memory of Ashling Murphy. But we got a, a message from a listener who said that I think the advice on codes for mobile phones for when someone is being followed or in danger should be highlighted. It's horrifying to think someone can just go out and do something like this. God forbid they'd improve the law on sentencing. It can't continue. People should be marching en masse. It's not acceptable. I also think there needs to be an improvement on attitudes to gender and gender-based crimes and the report of them with regard to the language used, etc., etc. The best thing we can do in Ashton's memory is to be a force for change so this doesn't happen again. There also needs to be a better security or CCTV presence in public areas and perhaps a stronger Garda presence. Sad to think it would be needed, 
but there'll always be a certain amount of badness out there. And just in response to <clears throat> that particular message, the first part of it, in fact, the codes for mobile phone use when someone has been followed or in danger, Fergal did some some research and we've come up with now what I'm going to tell you there's a lot of it there so hopefully you can take it in but if you have an iPhone and this is just ways to protect yourself we know you shouldn't have to we get that okay and we're sorry that we even have to tell you this and we know you shouldn't have to but there are ways and means that your mobile phone can protect you so if you have an iPhone and you see there's an SOS button on the iPhone when you make a call with that, it automatically contacts the emergency number like 999 or 112. But you can also add emergency contacts. So, and what happens then is that after the emergency call ends, your phone will automatically send a text message to emergency contacts. That's unless, of course, you choose to cancel. It sends your location and... They'll, it'll send some updates for a certain given period of time. That's all contained within your Apple iPhone. On Samsung phones, they can also be set up to provide emergency contacts with some information. Uh, once the feature is configured, all the user needs to do then is to click the Samsung Galaxy's power button three times. And that sends out a whole bunch of SOS information, like it'll send a a message to your emergency contacts. It'll send an address. Uh, it may even send photos. It can send an audio clip. So all that is contained within your Samsung Galaxy phones. And then on other uh, Androids, now depending on the make and model, it can all differ. But you can turn on emergency SOS uh, by opening your settings app. And you can turn that on. And then when you find yourself in an emergency, hopefully you won't, you press the power button five or more times. Just press it quickly as many times as you can. And it'll set up an emergency notification. There's a lot of information in there. Thank you, Fergal, for putting that together. So you have specifics for the iPhone, specifics for Samsung, and for general Android, you just get in and turn on the emergency SOS system and then tap the power button a number of times. And hopefully, that will keep somebody safe. And yes, once again, we know we shouldn't have to. We get that. It's, it's, it's almost anathema that we have to read this stuff out, or we have to give you this information. But it's there, and it's good that you know it. 0818 96 96 96. I was sitting having the dinner the other night, and the missus had made a fantastic stew with beef and stuff and we're just having a little rice and veggies and stuff and I just said this is fabulous winter food and there's another fabulous winter food sausage and mash bangers and mash and a few onions and gravy pure winter food there are certain things that are pure winter food and Sarah Butler has written a whole book on home cooking but I want to focus on the winter batch cooking and the winter food for a while. Sarah, good morning to you. How you doing, PJ? Thanks for having me. Delighted. There are many things that are, aren't they, just pure winter food, like bangers and, grash with, bangers and mash with steaming gravy. Like that's winter food. Absolutely. That's what you want on a cold winter evening. 
So you 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 want to look at the stuff that we can do for the winter. That's nice and easy as well. Well, that's it. You know, we don't always have the time to be in the kitchen all day. So if you can batch cook and prepare stuff in an hour or two, that you'll have that for the rest of the week. It makes the rest of the week so much easier and saves you lots of time and money as well, where you can get all that cooking done in one go. Yeah. A huge pot and then break it all up. That's it. Make make a big pot of bolognese and, and put that into free, the freezer in portions and take it out as you need it. Um, make your stews up, your quiches, make up your homemade chicken goujons. You can have them tonight and then freeze the rest of them for another evening. Your soups, use up your veg. It's a great way to use up any leftovers at the end of the week before your next shop. Make up a load of soup and you can also freeze that. You know, there's so many things you can freeze. Your sausage rolls, your brown breads, your scones, your regular bread. And you have that there then in the freezer just to take it out as you need it. You mentioned about waste and we're all being told cut down on our food waste. And now we all have these little brown bins in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And you realize, geez, we are wasting an awful lot of food aren't we? And batch cooking is a way to avoid waste. Definitely. The best thing you can do, and I know it's easy to say it, but if you can just take a little bit of time and do up your seven dinners, what you're going to have for the week. And you know, like if you're making a chicken, make two chickens and have that extra chicken for your sandwiches or for, you know, for volivans or noodles or rice dishes um, and have that plan in place before you go and do your food shop and then you know exactly what you need and you will find at the end of the week you won't have that waste because you're using up everything. You're not just going into the shop buying, just buying stuff for the sake of it, nearly not even thinking about it Mm. and then come home and put that all away nice, put it into your fridge, wash your veg that you can see everything in the fridge and you can see what you've got. You've got got your meal plan done stick that up on a cupboard in the kitchen because it's great fun on a Sunday doing your shop but come Wednesday you've completely forgotten about what you're going to cook so if you have that (laughs) pinned up you can go okay you won't fall off track and and end up going getting a takeaway you go no I'm making this tonight and I have everything there for it and you do find you have much less waste you've got that plan on your Instagram as well uh, how to put it up and keep keep to it do you know anything about those batch cooked foods and the stuff that you you know like that now my, my missus makes a, a mean curry my, my daughter makes a really really good curry the great thing about curry for example is it, it for some in, inexplicable reason it's better the second time it is it's always nicer the next day and that's why I always say to my, my followers on the page If you're going to make something, it takes the same amount of time to make a double batch of it. You know, so you have that, you have everything out, you have the mess made. So make a double batch and freeze one or have it for maybe a a day later, the next day after that. Uh, And, you know, you're saving yourself a day's cooking. So you can't be taking that out of the freezer the night before and you don't have to be rushing in the evening the next day to make to make something. It's so, so handy. And as I said, it's the same mess you're making. It's the same time it takes. So just double up on it. Yeah. Now, as I said, my 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 wife makes a good curry. My daughter makes an absolutely cracking curry because she's closer to me in terms of the spice. We love both love love spice. Mm. Any particular uh, secret recipe for for a good curry or or a great stew? A bay leaf is great for a stew. You'd be shocked at the flavour that a bay leaf adds to a, a nice long slow cook 
Guinness stew or a chicken casserole, pop in your bay leaf there and take it out when you're finished. It gives a gorgeous flavor. And then with the curries, I mean, you've got your, your creamy based curries or you've got your tomato based ones. A chutney, a spoon of chutney is lovely in, in a curry as well, a tomato based curry. And if you can get a couple of spices and add them in, you know, yourself as opposed to buying the packet stuff, it's the same difference. And you have them there and you use them in so many different things. So mm. I suppose, again, fresh herbs, you know, chop up your coriander as opposed to the dried stuff. That's mm. going to add a real gorgeous flavor. There's a marvelous difference. And you, it's, a, it's a difference you can taste between the, the, the yeah. curry powder that you just spoon in out of a pot and those lovely chopped dried chilies that you get in a proper spice yeah. bag. A huge difference. And you can freeze them. You can freeze your ginger and your chilies and your lemongrass. So you have them all in the freezer. You know, you'll buy a bag of chilies and there's seven in it. You're not going to use seven. You'll end up dumping six of them. But if you chop them up and into a Ziploc bag, pop them in your freezer. The next time you make a curry, you have them there. You haven't dumped them. The difference in the flavor, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's just all about those little little tips and tricks that make it so much easier. Here's one. You know, you know for a stew, okay, the big problem yeah. with a stew, because you're cooking it for so long, that sometimes... Mm. If you take your eyes off it for a minute, sometimes the meat can get a bit tough from overcooking. How do you avoid that? Well, a slow cook is always good. So you want to brown that meat off first in a pan and get your onions and your veg and everything in your stock the lot. And then you put it into an oven on a low heat or into your slow cooker. And the longer you leave that on a slow heat, that meat is just going to fall apart after a couple of hours. So that's the trick. Into a nice, slow, low heat, slow cooker and you're, you're sorted. And as I said, the longer you can leave it, the nicer it's going to be. Yeah. Now, the book um, yes. is called Home Cooking, Simple and Delicious Food for Busy Lives. A lot of work gone into this. It's a lovely, beautifully presented book, lots of photographs. It's real family cooking stuff. It's real food for real people. There, There's no mad ingredients in it at all. Um, I'm a busy mum myself, so that's that's what I was thinking of. Everybody out there is running and racing. So every recipe has a picture because I know myself, if I buy a cookbook, I don't think I've ever cooked a recipe that didn't have a picture beside it. So you know what, you're, what it's meant to look like and how it's going to be. Um, and yeah, it's very much normal food. And, and also food that if you do your, you have a bag of carrots, You'll make a couple of different dishes. They'll all have maybe carrots in them. It's not like you're going off buying mad ingredients and you have a load of them left in the fridge. Mm. Um, so very normal food, but it's also about the way that you cook it and how you can use it then in something else. If you make a big pot of this, you can make that or this out of it. You can freeze it. But family friendly as well, because a lot of kids won't eat a lot of things. So yeah. you want the main thing what mums is cooking a dinner that the whole family is going to eat. And that's the great feedback that I've got from people. Everybody at the dinner, Sarah, I wasn't making four different dinners. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. Yeah, well, what I'm loving, I just opened up there your your, your beef stroganoff, you know, and I think I've, I've said this before, Sarah, my only claim to fame with regard to, to cooking is I've never actually killed anybody. At least nobody that I know about. But I'm looking at that and thinking, Jesus, I could do that. So that, yeah, that's, that's an endorsement of nothing else, I'll tell you now. Well, keep it simple, you know. There's no need for any of these crazy, crazy methods. Keep it simple, break it down, and everybody can cook. If you can read, you can cook. Um, so that was my aim with the book. Keep right. it simple. All right, well, good luck. Kat, um, Kathy, who works with us here and uh, wrote your foreword, she's the culinary she kilt. She did. Uh, mm -hmm. She's delighted to hear you on the air, and uh, good luck <laughs> with everything. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Sarah, take care. Uh, 0818969696. I stand over that. The only thing I ever say about my cooking, or lack thereof, is that I've never actually killed anybody. At least nobody that I know about. 
Opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let's get down, let's get down to We're back to the music. The Corks 96 FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 96 On Cork's 96FM. So I read a thing recently about, you know, um, getting a bit fit and, and losing a bit of weight in January or any time of the year. And I read this thing called the 75 Hard Challenge. Uh, follow a diet. You can't have a single cheat meal. Or drink any alcohol. Work out twice a day for 45 minutes. One of those workouts must be outside. Drink a gallon of water daily. Read 10 pages of non-fiction. Audiobooks don't count. And the book must fall into the personal development category. Take pictures daily. If you don't follow any of the five rules, you must start over from day one. Now, I'm listening to that going, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. And then we came across Stephen Gallagher, who's a TikToker on uh, a fitness TikToker. He's got the softer challenge. Today, I'm starting the 75 soft challenge. It's like the 75 hard, but for people who don't have the time for two 45-minute workouts a day. So here are the rules. Eat well and only drink on social occasions. Train for 45 minutes every day, 75 days without a day off, and one day for active recovery every week. Drink three litres of water a day and read ten pages of any book. Wish me luck. Now that's a lot. That sounds an awful lot easier, but still sounds like an ordeal, Stephen. Good morning. Hi, PJ. Thanks for having me. Good. It's tough going. Tough going. What, yeah, yeah. What, at, at the start, start to finish in that 75 days, that's what, just about two and a half months, ten weeks, ten, yeah, and, yeah. ten and a half weeks. What would one expect to have achieved at the end of that? Well, I guess it depends what you put into it because everyone kind of starts at their own level. Uh, for myself, my goal was to, you know, just get fit and, you know, get moving. And I suppose if you have that healthy routine by the end of it and you're sticking to it, you know, that's an achievement in itself, I suppose. Yeah. You say eat well. Define eat well. <laughs> well, I suppose, you know, stay away from the biscuits and all that sort of stuff. Uh I'm definitely, you know, not as strict as the, the 75 hard challenge, but, you know, eat well just means get your three meals a day, you know, don't skip any meals and also, you know, drink lots of water too. Yeah, the water thing, you know, we all try, but you have good days and you have bad days, but you do need to be quite disciplined with the water. You know, I was going to say that's definitely, that was probably the hardest part for me because three liters of water, it is a good bit. And uh, yeah, I thought that was that was the hardest part of the challenge for me now. Six pints of water. Which you mightn't think about it, but in the course of a day, would you normally drink six pints of water? I mean, I drink a fair, I drink a fair amount of water. I drink maybe four, pushing five liters, but that's in the summertime. The thoughts of yeah, drinking yeah, six yeah. liters of water in the wintertime, no, it's it's a, no, it's no, a lot of water. Not. 
Yeah, no, it is a lot of water. And uh, I kind of just focused on getting it out in the start of the day. And that definitely, you know, maybe have a good start to the day, drink lots of water. In terms of working out, like, you don't need to be Schwarzenegger here. There no, are, no, no, no. Elsewhere on your TikTok, I see other videos where you do yeah. a workout that's all based on a yoga mat. And even for the ones that look tough, there's a little cheat. I think what you're trying to tell us is, Stephen, once you're actually moving your body, it's benefit. Yeah, exactly. So the thing with the exercising every day is that everyone sort of starts at their own level. You know, they might watch my video and think, oh, you know, he's lifting weights or he's doing this on a yoga mat. You know, where should I start? But I think anywhere from if you're starting from, you know, just go for a long walk every day. And then there's some people who might think, oh, I'll, I'll do a 10K run. So, you know, there's there's different ends of the spectrum. And as long as you're moving, that's all that matters, you know. Yeah. Is this aimed at weight loss or just general fitness? Or are there things that will happen naturally to your body if you follow this for 75 days? Yeah, I suppose it is general fitness at the end of the day. And then along with the, you know, if your goal is weight loss or even weight gain, that comes with the diet that you decide to focus on. So in terms of all the fitness stuff, that's just about, you know, getting the healthy habits of moving every day. So I can follow you on TikTok. It's Stephen Gallagher on TikTok. And I love the one, um, before I let you go, talk to me about the looking like Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. So after <laughs> after the uh, the 75 soft challenge, I went and did the uh, Becoming Spider-Man challenge where I trained like uh, Tom Holland for 30 days. And, you know, people seem to really love that as well. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that guy is seriously ripped, like in the. <laughs> that's oh, geez, yeah, I, like he is amazing. Yeah, and that's hard work, even for a guy like you. That's hard work. Oh yeah, that that was a tough challenge for the thirty days to stick to that one and uh, train like him. Yeah, he's uh, he's very impressive. Yeah, you have to wonder. You have to wonder. He must be getting very very well paid. <laughs> but his body is so, kind yeah. of torture. Stephen, good <laughs> luck and thanks, uh, Stephen. Gallagher, uh, fitness TikToker, and 75 soft challenge, which, hey, it's tough enough as it is. No days off. Like, that's that's kind of... No days off, uh, they say, but it's a lot easier than the hard challenge. If you want to find out more and look at his videos and look, kind of beholds us to say, beholds us to say, don't try anything extreme without checking with your doctor first, that you're fit and able to do it. Stephen Gallagher, you find him on, on TikTok. 0818-969696. Couple of things. On those emergency features that we went through on the various phones, also reminded if you're using WhatsApp, who isn't these days, there's a plus button on the left-hand side of where you text. If you scroll down, you have the option to choose share your location. You can share your location with someone for one hour or for eight hours. I often use this when I go for a hike on my own with the dog share my location with my husband. It tracks your location live in real time. Thank you for that. And again, these are things that we know you shouldn't have to do. But unfortunately, in the world we live in, it's best to know them. Now, we got this in, uh, this email. It says, Hi, PJ, can any of your listeners help me? Myself and my father have both tested positive for COVID in the past 24 hours. I've contacted the HSE for guidance on what to do. I've spoken to three different people on the helpline who've disclosed three different pieces of information. I've been told to isolate for five days, for seven days, or for ten days. Which is it? 
And why on earth would three different pieces of information have been given to someone trying to do the right thing? I've also asked about uploading antigen tests and PCR tests and have been told to upload my details to the portal. I asked for the website address and two people replied they didn't know. And the third person said hse.ie. Can someone tell me how are we meant to deal with this if people on the helpline don't even know the correct information? I don't blame the workers for this. I blame whoever provided their training. It clearly wasn't done correctly. Love the show. Well, first of all, I hope yourself and your dad will be all right. Hopefully you've got the, a mild form of the old lurgy and it'll work its way through your system as quickly as possible. They're changing all those directions at the moment. We were talking to Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun earlier in the week and the cabinet decided on those changes and there's a certain amount of confusion in everybody's mind at the moment. For example, if you're triple jabbed, if you're boosted and you're a close contact and you've no symptoms, then you can go about it, go about your business. If you're not, yeah, it's, it is, it's a, it's a mite confusing. It is definitely a mite confusing at the moment. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, let me go through, uh, for now, let me go through the various organised events that we know about um, in memory of and to demonstrate people's uh, shock and horror at the murder of Ashley Murphy. Ballancolig on Sunday at four o'clock is a walk from the shopping centre to the regional park Weir and back again, that area known locally as the Loop. Uh, please, of course, socially distance and wear a mask. There's a vigil today Friday at the Sexual Violence Centre. They're lighting candles on the steps at half four. Half four, of course, is also a national moment of silence where he asked to do just wherever you are, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just stop for a moment and think of Ashling. Uh, a walking visual Saturday, half nine at the Atlantic Pond. Yeah, we were speaking to the organiser of that this morning. It's at the Parky Queefside of the Atlantic Pond, half nine tomorrow morning. In Newmarket in North Cork, six to eight in the town park this evening. Please bring a candle and just take a moment. And just walk a lap or two and please do social distancing and wear a mask, etc. In Mallow, they're meeting at seven in Lidl's car park to do a walk around, ending up back at Lidl again. There's a national silent vigil at 4.30, a minute silence wherever you are. And then in Cove, 4 o'clock Saturday, outside the Heritage Centre, and walking or indeed jogging along the low road and the five-foot way. So lots of those events, and people still sending more of them into, into us. But they literally are in every corner of the country. But at half four today, there's that national moment, as it were, that national moment to reflect on the terrible circumstances of the murder of Ashling Murphy. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, stop for a moment. Switch off the radio. Switch off the car engine. Stop that little job you're doing. And just 
contemplate and think. 0818 96 96 96. Now, the big movie, I think, of 2021, for me anyway, was No Time to Die. Um, and the it, it will take an awful lot for me. That was a great movie. I'm a, bon, I'm a huge Bond fan, so is my son. It'll take a, a lot to beat that for us in 2022 in terms of the kind of movies that we like. But there's a lot coming because a lot of stuff was held back for ages. A lot of production was held back for ages because of the pandemic. Gordon Hayden's a film critic and joins me. Gordon, good morning to you. How's it going, PJ? Good to speak to you again. And to you, sir. We have a lot coming because a lot of it was held back because of the pandemic. So have we got a jamboree ahead of us in 2022? We've got loads. You're absolutely right. So much was held back and a lot of release dates were shuffled around like a pack of cards. And uh, yeah, finally, uh, 2022, they've got their they've got a good slate of films coming our way. And uh, you don't have to wait for the big summer season for things to kick off, PJ, because March is when it's all going to happen because we are going to get a brand new Batman. Uh, the film in question is called The Batman. It is uh, directed by Matt Reeves, um, who kind of first came on the scene with Cloverfield. But what's really interesting is the choice Under the Cowl, and that is Robert Pattinson, who, mm. of course, really came to fame with the Twilight series. And But in fairness to him, and I think a lot of critics and people who have been following his career over the last few years will say that you cannot measure this man's career on Twilight alone because when he made all his money um, off the back of the, that saga, he really went off to try and find particular projects to prove his worth as an actor. And he worked with some high-profile names like Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan in Tenet recently and then even David Cronenberg as well. So uh, The Batman is coming out and it looks like it straddles the balance between the Christopher Nolan films along with the graphic novels and so I think we're going to be in for a real treat with Robert Pattinson as the new Cape Crusader. What frightens me a little is there you mentioned tennis. I hope it's a little less complicated because I can't get my head around tennis at all. <laughs> oh, listen, listen, you're not the only one. I think that's, uh, that was the work of a film director who was given far too much leverage by the studio to go off and make a, a passion project. And for the most part, that wasn't the big saviour of cinema uh, when it was released in uh, late 2020. I think a lot of people came away going, ah, will you get out of it? This is just all over the shop. But I do think that they, this, um, uh, this new Batman, the trailers look good. The, the way they've been marketing PJ has been very clever. Uh, across the board, there's a huge cast in there. Andy Serkis playing the loyal butler and uh, Alfred uh, Pennyweather, Pennyworth, I should say. But also Colin Farrell is in there yeah. uh, playing the penguin. I, who's pretty much unrecognisable under all the prosthetics. So um, this is going to be a rogues gallery of villains we're going to see. Fabulous. Okay, after Batman then, or the Batman, what do we got then? Well, we got you know you 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 do have your your constant steady stream of uh, superhero movies from like the new Thor film uh, right up to the new animated Spider Man um, across the Spider Verse. I don't know if you saw Into the Spider Verse, and um, which came out a few years ago. Yeah. It centered on the character of Miles Morales up there as one of the great um, Spider-Man movies, in, in my personal opinion, and a superb animated offering. That's coming out, PJ. But do you know what else is coming out? Because you mentioned there how much you're a big fan of No Time to Die from last year. Yeah. So I think the big espionage thriller from this year is going to be Mission Impossible 7. It hasn't got the full title yet, yeah. but you'll remember one of the big talking points from that set 
was when uh, Tom Cruise, who's also the producer on the film, he owes the, the film rights to it as well, um, when he caught a couple of crew members, um, both of them um, hanging around one of the monitors watching a playback of one of the scenes, and they weren't wearing masks. And he had a conniption on set, and somebody recorded the audio. It ended up being posted. Oh, I think I saw this, he, yeah. He, that's right. He went absolutely livid because because like that, he's it's a big movie. There's hundreds of people at work. And he goes, the last thing I'm paraphrasing here now is for us to be shut down because he said we're an example of a big movie um, that is currently in production. And so we're kind of leading the charge. And there's a lot of studios that are watching what we're doing and looking to us as an example. And he said, and that type of carry on on set will get us shut down. And he goes, oh, it's going to cost us loads of jobs. Now, one of the things about this Mission Impossible series is that normally a lot of um, series they can tend to kind of uh, start to wither a little bit as they go on bearing in mind it's the seventh ent- entry but number six in this series was just like a shot in the arm brilliant and uh, it really was, wasn't it? It just was unbelievable. And I think a lot of people are expecting big things from number seven. You're also going to get a double helping PJ of Tom Cruise if he if he's uh, your movie star of choice because he's a new Top Gun movie out. Remember get that away. the first film came out in 86. Yeah, it's called Top it, Gun is, Maverick. Is it a reboot or a spin-off? Do you know, it is a sequel. And so the way they've kind of, this time out, the storyline is very much the character of Maverick played famously, of course, by Tom Cruise. He's now become a an instructor. And who just happens to be one of the upcoming um, Air Force pilots of note on. is only Goose's son. Remember, Goose was his uh, partner, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. played by Anthony Edwards. But it's his son, um, who's played by Miles Teller, um, um, who's a fabulous um, young actor, and uh, so he, so you can kind of see the surrogate father type of story at play. And uh, Joseph Kaczynski, the director, he's worked with Cruise before on Oblivion, and so yeah, big things are expected. But the Do you know what I can, is that I is that think, a summertime? Sorry, is that a summertime release? Because what I can what I can summertime think... release. Um, it's sort of at the moment now in terms of its release date. I will tell you now because they've been kind of shuffling this particular one around. So at the moment, it is looking like September. Uh, 2022 is when it's going to come out the exact date it, it hasn't been specified but um, it's looking like it's going to be an autumn entry I make but a prediction with you is a lot of people will rediscover will rediscover the original Top Gun soundtrack and that alone will liven up your, the music libraries Oh, listen, that was great. Like, Giorgio Moroder was at the helm there. You remember he, when he paired, uh, teamed up with Berlin? There's been, right. and there's been so many big hits from that. It'll be, see, and this is, I go off on a slight tangent, PJ, that's one of the things we don't really get with movies anymore, the big song that ties in with the big release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for that, um, actually, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry uh, Mission Impossible Seven, sorry, is due in September. Uh, Top Gun is due, sorry, in July. So that's when. Uh, so apologies right. on that. But right. but the film, which I think. Just to mark your cards on, because you'd nearly forget this one was coming out because it's been delayed and delayed and delayed, is Avatar 2. Now, bearing in mind the first film was is the most successful film of all time, it has left real... There's been no real cultural footprint um, from this film, only that it is the most successful film of all time. But you'd be hard-pressed to, to name any of the characters in it. Um, just about the story, you know what I mean? You kind of still kind of you have to scratch your head trying to remember, oh, yeah, they kind of go onto the planet, the big blue aliens. But like, unlike, say, a, a series like Star Wars, now, it has been, uh, what are we talking now? Like, it has been, uh, it, it was 2009, I think, yeah. when the first film came out. I, so, I wasn't a fan of the first one now, to be honest. 
Oh, yeah. Like, it, it definitely split people. It was a divisive film. I think a lot of people went because of the groundbreaking CGI that was claimed yeah. at the time. So I think a lot of people wanted to immerse themselves to see, okay, let's see, let's put their money where their mouth is and see how good this is. It's a big, tall order. But the, here's the thing with James Cameron. People wrote him off when it came to Titanic before that came out. Massive success. Same with Avatar. You can't write this man off. So I'm going to go in um, cautiously um, into Avatar 2, but I I just can't see this being the big Star Wars series that they're hoping it will be. And is there still an appetite for a second one? We'll find out come December. It could it could call, could fall very flat or it could be huge. Gordon, thank you very much. Just lastly, you mentioned Thor. Mm. We, myself and my son are massive Thor fans. We find we come back from the horror movie, right? And they're out the back, yes. out the back of my toolkit, open on the ground. Like, come on, come on, hammer! <laughs> That's what it, what's that? Is that is that a is that a, like they got very Thor got very fantasy like rather than action like the last couple of movies? Yes. That's right. He kind of went very much in the in the in the vein of uh, Flash Gordon and yeah. Taika Waititi's the writer director. If you've never seen a film of his, what we do in the shadows, PJ, treat yourself to that. It's an absolute gem. But at the fourth Thor, it's going to be very much in the same mold as the recent one, Thor Ragnarok, because Taika Waititi's back at the helm first. That is due out July eighth. So mark your diary for that one. We will. We will. We will. All right, Gordon. Thanks very much, guys. Gordon Hayden, uh, film critic. Plenty to come. Plenty to come. Look forward to that Top Gun. Maverick. And for younger listeners, if you don't know about Top Gun and the original soundtrack, get into your Spotify or wherever you go for your music. I don't know or care. Wherever you go for your music and get Top Gun soundtrack. Because trust me, by the summertime, when the Maverick movie comes out, those songs will be anthems again. And the songs we know, but there was things like Take My Breath Away by Berlin, Danger Zone, by Kenny Loggins. There was a bunch of great songs on that album. And I make a prediction here and now that we will rediscover those songs and they'll be on in all the places that are open. <laughs> Maybe a pub or two. They'll be on all over the place. And you'll be playing them out of your Bluetooth smart speakers, smart speakers during the summer. We'll all rediscover them. Aren't they great songs? And then we'll say they're nearly 40 years old. Yeah, I know. 0818 96 96 96. Catherine says... Any chance I could hear the name of that cookery book again? I missed the start of your chat. Yes, it's over here. It's simply called Home Cooking by Sarah Butler. Home Cooking by Sarah Butler. There's a thing we haven't mentioned. I know it's just been a very busy, busy morning and plenty of other things going on. We haven't mentioned Prince Andrew at all, um, who is now persona non grata with the rest of the royal family stripped of practically everything his military his patronage is effectively he now is sacked by his own mammy and practically disowned by his own mammy uh, who sent this and this is a whatsapp note that came in just in relation to prince andrew um, because he has lost his title does that mean he's lost his diplomatic immunity and he can be transferred over to america now to face the courts do you know I don't, but that's a very, very good question. It certainly is. It's something we might come to in, in the days and, and weeks to come. Thank you, Stephen, for that. 0818 96 96 96. Listen, I want to give you a grand in your hand this January just to say thank you for listening to us and for following us on Instagram. 
So you need to go to Instagram, follow the Corks 96 FM page, then tag all your friends and share the post. And between now and the end of the month, we will top up somebody's bank account by €1,000 just to say thank you and Happy New Year from Cork's 96 FM. I knew about this last week, Spike, and I heard about an incident and apparently it is quite happening quite frequently. Over there in Toker, in Clashdov, just opposite the veterinary clinic where there's a Christmas tree dump, there are fires every every couple of days. Gary, good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah. You, you've heard the complaints, I've heard the complaints, the videos have been all over, all over, and it continues to, to, to go on. Yeah, it's sure they're late, late fire most evenings. There, I've been going by there a couple of evenings this, lately, and uh, sure, there's fires there a lot of evenings now at the moment. Yeah. This is where people can bring their Christmas tree for the council to, to collect. When did you see la- the last one? It was a couple of days ago, I was out running there and uh, there was a tree on fire there by the, by the bed. So, yeah, people are just discarding and there are trees there that are allowed to, but uh, I think uh, maybe they need to uh, move move the point where they're being dropped off somewhere else, you know. Yeah. I did ring a city councillor about it, um, Fergal Dennehy, and he said to me that they had frequent complaints and they, they were trying to get them taken away earlier in the day. Um, to see would that work it's just a miracle no one's been hurt I think yeah I think that's a good idea from Fargo actually it's if they were moved earlier uh, you know it's, it's mostly in the evenings when it gets dark they're being little on fire like um, you know sure as I said there in the tweet I mean uh, you know it could cost somebody their lives when the, the fire brigade are busy over oh, fires like that uh, pointless fires you know yeah. if there was a host fire at the same time there could be uh, someone pass away as a result but uh, I think it's just, it's just a sense that the, the young people doing it they, they're not thinking it through at all and that, that doesn't come to mind I suppose for them you know yeah they just see a bit of fun and the, the consequences they don't necessarily grasp them there was a quote there in, in I think it was Cork Bio from a man who lives nearby Ray he said he'd been lobbying the council to move that point that drop-off point for years, and and lives in fear that it'll it'll get out of hand. The hope is that uh, you've you've called on people, and I suppose you'd be a man that'd be followed by a lot of young people in your boxing career. You're 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 just asking them, look, lay off, lads, lay off, give it a break. That's it, like you know, just actually look as I say, they, they probably don't realise, like you know, be thinking there's just just for the fun for them, and they they don't realise the consequences that could occur as a result of that. Like as I say, if the fire brigade were busy outing those needless fires, um. You know, and there was a hopes for at the same time they could be you know could be disastrous so uh, I just wanted to point that out to the young fellas that follow me like you know just if that uh, they might see the tweet or whatever you know hopefully that they'd stop doing it Good man, good man Come here Gary how are you getting on yourself? How's the career going? Good, good uh, a bit of an issue there with my elbow tennis elbow I got a uh, procedures on uh, there four weeks ago so um Hopefully, um, I'm going to Disney actually Monday with my children and Selena. Um, so for we'll be over there for the week, and uh, when I get back, I hope to get back and train and be able to punch again. Yeah, that, yeah, tennis elbow is a strange one in a boxer, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, I think it might have occurred actually. I, I hung a chin up there, hope my back garden during the uh, lockdown periods, etc., and uh, started doing a bit of chin ups. Maybe I went a bit overboard, maybe, you know. <laughs> All right, and and when when might I mean, assuming that you'll be able to to punch again soon? When when might we see you in in the ring again? Do you know? Um, maybe the end of March or uh, April, maybe beginning of April. 
Brilliant. All right. We we'll look forward to that. All going well. So good recovery from that, hopefully, Gary. And enjoy the trip to Disney with the kids. Uh, that'll be great. I'm jealous of that myself. Gary Spiker Sullivan, our local boxing hero. And where am I going? Oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you. The Premier League Live is back this weekend. It took a little break last weekend because of FA Cup stuff. And that was fun in itself. But Premier League Live back this Saturday at 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh and powered up by TalkSport. Busy day for Trevor and the team. Live coverage of Manchester City versus Chelsea at 12.30. Norwich v Everton at 3. And Aston Villa versus Manchester United at half five. So you've got City, United, Chelsea, Everton and Norwich all in action live with the Premier League on this Saturday. It's the Premier League live online with Now. Stream live Premier League action with Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. And listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. If you open up the app, you'll see it. And this is the app, of course, to put on the smartphone. If you go and open up the app, if you've just downloaded it today and just open up the app, what you'll find is that down at the end of it, down at the end of the app, there are a couple of different things. There's, there's um, different other streams, like there's our Hit Mix and our Fit Mix. And there it is next to it, Premier League Live, powered by TalkSport. And that's what you do for tomorrow afternoon with Trevor and the lads. And I think that's just about the size of it for today. It is, and for this week. Uh, the programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Um, hopefully, hopefully, the... The killer of Ashling Murphy will be found. And if there is one wish that we would have as we close out for the weekend is that by Monday, the guards will have found the killer. I think we'll all hope and wish for that as we think of her across the weekend. Talk to you Monday. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie You're listening to highlights from The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. 
Code PROGRAM.